All right, so good to see you all. You know, the title of my sermon after the 40 days is going to be this, Are You Hungry? Okay, um, uh, intentional. Are you hungry, right? Because I know I am. I am hungry. Um, and I want to ask a few questions uh, this morning. What are you hungry for, though? You know, what are you, are you hungry? The answer usually is yes, all right? So in Asian culture, have you eaten? Yes or no? So are you hungry? But what are you hungry for? If you're hungry for a certain kind of food, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for in your life? What do you, what do you desire, truly, truly desire in, in your life? Uh, uh, and I think that's the gist of my sermon this morning. And I hope we all take home something today, that we hunger for something, that we all crave for something within us, deep within us. And today, let's just awaken that hunger uh, uh, today. But before I start, you know, I've been thinking a lot about songs of our generations. I've been thinking a, a lot about um, what we all uh, 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 resonate with. You know, uh, how many of us been to the Billie Eilish concert two days ago, three days ago? How many of you? No shame. Raise your hands. How many of you? You are a holy church. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. How many of you, you don't know Billie Eilish? That what she was here? Okay, so you do know you didn't go? Okay, not too bad. All right. Um, anyways, uh, uh, that point aside, you know, all of us, most of our generation, the younger one especially, they were flocking, and I saw all the, all the videos of how they were just flocking uh, to the concert, and they were hungry for Billie Eilish. They're hungry for the songs, and all of them knew all her, all her whole album, all her hit songs. And I was like, wow, this is a generation that's hungry. You know, this is a generation that's hungry for something. Whether we like it or not, we're hungry for a hit song, we're hungry to be more like an uh, influencer and idol, right? You know, I'm sure as I, as I go through this list, I want you to sing along with me because I am almost sure I will forget the lyrics, but um, I was going through all the pop songs in, his, in culture. I was going through the pop songs of perhaps my generation, maybe an older generation and a younger generation. And I want to say, who is the king of pop? Michael Jackson? All right. Everybody's like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Michael Jackson, that's good. Michael Jackson came on pop. You know, when I was younger, I used to listen to a lot of Michael Jackson songs. One of it, my, one of my favorites is uh, Billie Jean, all right? So uh, I was singing, Billie Jean is not my lover. And then when I grew up, I realized that the lyrics of the song ain't so appropriate for, uh, to be singing, <laughs> all right? The, the meaning of the song. You know, when I was younger, I, I didn't know the beat was cool, it was hip. You know, hey, he's the king of pop, right? Who doesn't want to be like Michael? And no, I'm not going to break out in a dance. I can't. I would just shame myself so I can just sing it, but I can't dance it. Uh, um, uh, uh, but, but the lyrics of the song ain't so good. That's the king of pop. How many of you know the boys of pop? My generation. Oh, come on, the millennials in this house. How many of you know the boys of pop? And sync? Dirty pop, right? No, it's just me. I don't know the lyrics, right? Uh, uh, you know the song Dirty Pop? That was one of my uh, favorite songs when I was younger, Dirty Pop. So you can see that in every generation, there is always, there is always a pop song that we, that we generate to. Like, I 100% I believe that 50% of you will know the full lyric to Billie Jean, right? If I, smooth Criminal. You can sing it, and I bet if you go to karaoke, that's the first song that you'll put on the list. But no, latest, if you talk about the younger generation, all right, what is the latest pop song in this generation, right? How many of you have heard of Neon pop. No? Is it just me? Am I going to dance it? Can I dance it? Just, just for entertainment's sake, right? How many of you? Pop, 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 pop. I don't know, I don't know how to sing it. You know, like, pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 pop. Something, 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 young generation. You can help me out here, right? And then he goes, 
pop, pop, pop. And I'm like, what does this song mean? I try to Google it, it's all in Korean, I have no clue. But I only know the chorus, right? It goes, pop, 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 pop. And everybody's doing it on social media, I see it all the time. The girls does it better, they're a lot cuter than I am. But the, the point is this, every generation has a pop song. Every generation have a pop hit, every generation. And I bet there is, there is groups and songs that is in your heart that is close to you. But how many of us know that in every generation, what we truly need is the pop song, the power of presence. In every generation, what we need is not the pop songs of the world, that meanings that we, we, know we can't jive with, that meanings that you know, we can't sing to, we don't believe in, that don't hold our value system, but we all need a pop song, the pop song, the power of presence. You see, let me just talk a little bit about the next gen. You know, my worry for the next gen, especially my children, is when you go on social media, who are your influencers? What are you listening to? Who's, who is talking to you? What are the values that my sons are, are learning online? And I, I always ask my question, God, how do I disciple my kids to be able to navigate a new world of the digital space? How do I disciple the church, Father God, to navigate the new space, the new digital space where there are voices that will speak to you every day of your life? You know, it's not just used to be YouTube, they will speak to you for 15 minutes of video. Nowadays, days, you got three seconds, all right? Every three seconds, there's a new voice speaking to you. How do you compete with that? And God says, teach them the power of presence. And that is the only one thing that would anchor every generation that pushes through to the next generation, that we all need to leave today understanding the power of presence. You know, I draw my inspiration from Exodus chapter 33. I always say I have a favorite chapter in the Bible, and it would always land on Exodus chapter 33 amongst the rest, and I butcher the word favorite. But in, in Exodus chapter 33, I love it so much. Every 40 days, I come back to this favorite chapter of mine because God always anchors me on this and says, come back to the heart of why I called you, my son. And Exodus chapter 33 goes, this is Moses talking to God. Moses on the Mount of Sinai, just before he leads the people into the promised land, he says, God, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Look at the posture of Moses here when he speaks to God. Look at the hunger of Moses here. If you view this chapter in the lens of hunger, you will find gems uh, that, that, that you will never find before, which because I did. You see, Moses said, if you are pleased with me. I love the word if, because Moses never assumes that God is pleased with you. How many of us here, we take for granted that God is pleased with you, that God is always going to show favor of you? Not Moses. I don't. I don't take for granted that God is going to show favor on me. So Moses starts to say, if you are pleased with me, look at the posture of humility that Moses carried, if you're pleased with me. But also the posture of hunger, if you are pleased with me, because he's hungry for God to be pleased with him. Then he says, he goes deeper in humility and hunger. He says, teach me your ways. How many of us here, we're all, you know, most of us here were adults. How many of us here have ever said to another adult, teach me your ways, sir, or teach me your ways, ma'am? How many of us? Because when you say to another person, teach me, you're humbling yourself before that person and you're elevating that person up to say, you are my mentor, you're my teacher, you are my whatever it may be. How many of us say to God, Teach me your ways. You're so hungry for God to teach 
us His ways. How many of us hunger for that? How many of us, we go through life saying, God, teach me your ways. Teach me. What do you need me to do in my home? What do you need me to do in my work? Teach me your ways. Moses doesn't even stop there. Moses then went deeper. Teach me your ways for what? Moses says, so that I may know you. Amazing. Moses doesn't say, teach me your ways so that I can do more supernatural stuff. Teach me a way so that I can perform more signs and wonders. Teach me a way so that when I lay hands and the, 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 the sick is healed. No, 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 no. Teach me your ways so that I may know you. He wants to know the God Almighty who created him, who pulled the Israelites out of Egypt. He wants to know who this God is. How many of us hunger to know the face of God, the nature of God, the heart to know God. And I hope we stir up that hunger in us today. I really, really do. But Moses doesn't stop there and continue to find favor with you. Just in one sentence, there's four things Moses is hungry for. He's hungry to please God. He's hungry to learn from God. He's hungry to know God. And he's hungry for God's favor to follow him. Look at the posture of Moses. He is hungry for God. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, I love this. I wish I can go more into this. But the summary is, God promised after the four hungers, God says, my presence will go with you. How many of us here, if we, we, we hear that God says, my presence will go with you, Isaac, we say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Go to sleep. All right. We're finished. We're, I mean, prayer, prayer answered. Thank you very much, Jesus. But Moses doesn't stop there. Look at the hunger of this man. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He hungers for more. He says, don't send me if you are not coming with me, God. Don't. I don't want to go from this place. You know, every year, this is the cry of my heart. Every year, this is the cry. I says, God, you want to do something new in my life, but... I will not do, even if my heart desires it, even if I want it with all my soul and being, I will not do if your presence do not go with me. And how many of us hunger for that in our workplace and homes? If your presence don't go with me, God, oh, I don't know what to do with my family. If your presence don't go with me, don't, don't, don't give me this job or this career because I need you more than I need the things of this world. And today I hope that we stir up a hunger within us for the things of God. But did Moses stop there? Oh, Moses, Moses, he did not stop there. He says, God, now show me your glory. Oh, wow, the audacity of Moses. He does not just say, Moses, God, thank you very much for your presence. I appreciate it. Uh, amen. No, he says, I want you to go with me and I want you to give me proof. The proof is, show me your glory. How many of us hunger for God to show us His glory? You know that you really need to have a hunger for God's glory because we don't take God's glory for granted. It's the Shekinah glory of God that nobody should abuse God's glory. Nobody should usurp God's glory because He's jealous for His own glory. And when His glory comes, there is a weight. And in my whole life, one day I'll talk about it, but I've only experienced it once. And there is a weight to His glory. And in that glory... 
There is nothing you can do if God says you're a sinner, full stop, you're a sinner. If God convicts you, you're convicted. There's nothing because you're just wrapped around His glory and in His presence and in His glory, that's where you find strength. And that's what Moses was asking for. Show me your glory. Look at the hunger. And after God showed him his glory, did Moses stop there? Look at the hunger of Moses. Moses didn't. Continue on. He says, Oh Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, forgive the sins and the wickedness of the Israelites. Make us your inheritance. He hungers not just for God. He hungers not just for himself. He hungers for the people of God. And he intercedes for the people to say, forgive them of their sins. Forgive us. He owns the sin. Forgive us of our sins and our wickedness. And then he hungers for the one last thing, that we will be the inheritance of God. Look at the hunger of Moses. You know, we, we will say, Pastor, I'm not Moses. I know. But you, you are a parent, a father, a mother. Maybe you're a son or a daughter. You can also hunger to say, God, I know my family has not been did it. Forgive my family of their sins. Are you a ministry leader? Are you a cell leader, team leader, call leader? Whatever leader you are in church, you can also carry the heart of Moses. God, forgive, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive us our sins and make us your inheritance. You see, Moses understood the presence of God. He understood the power of presence. And that's why we all remember who Moses was. But do we know who the generation that perished in the desert were? We, we don't. We don't, remember, we don't know their name. There was no record. But we all know who Moses is. And I'm willing to bet that every single one of us here, if we search deep down, we all want a piece of that legacy, don't we? We want to be remembered by our children and our children's children. We want to be remembered in our workplace and in whatever is going on. We want to be remembered in our family. We want to be remembered. But how many of us seeks God's presence first before we seek our own legacy. Or we want to make our own legacy and then ask God to endorse it. And God is saying today, there is a power in the presence of God that we need to hunger and you need to thirst for. You see, when Moses understood the presence of God, you know, he gave him three other Ps. He gave Moses purpose to go into the promised land. It gave Moses protection that he knows that every enemy that will come against him will be destroyed by God. He understood the protection that came with the presence. He understood. And it gave him personhood. You see, he understood his identity in Jesus, in God, that he does not need fame from the world. He does not need anything else. And that's why the Bible calls him the humblest man on earth. He does not need anything. And all he needs is Jesus Christ. You see, when you understand God's presence and when you crave and you hunger God's presence, he will give you all these things. But the first, the root, the first block and the pin that falls is the hunger for his presence. You see, the Israelites, the people of God, they never understood the presence of God. They never drew near to God. Remember when God says, you come now towards the mountain of Sinai, and what did the people say? No, 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 no. You talk to Moses, and Moses talked to us. We, we don't want to go near the mountain because we are afraid we will die. You see, the people don't understand the power of presence of God. They don't understand it, and that is why. Sometimes you ask, 
The promised land was just there. Couldn't they enter in? Just go. No, because if you don't have the presence of God with you, you don't understand your purpose. The Israelites never understood that their purpose of coming out of Egypt was to take the land. They never understood that. They just want to be, I don't know, whatever they want to be under the eyes of God. They never understood their protection. They, all they saw was the giants. All they saw was their problems. They never understood that when you're in God's presence, He would give you a supernatural, divine protection that comes with His presence. They don't understand that because they were never in the presence. And lastly, they never understood their identity. They never understood their personhood, who they were in God, their Father. To them, they were still nomads. They were still slaves, slaves bound to the Egyptians. But to God, Moses has a new identity, a new covenant with God. And that is the importance of presence. And I pray, and later on at the end, I want to give a lot of time to open up the altar because I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would fall and the presence of God will come into this sanctuary because there's nothing to do with me, but it's everything to do with God, that His presence would fall, that every single one of us here will learn to hunger for His presence because a touch, a just a touch, a slither of His presence would cause us to hunger for more, hunger for more and more. You see, the problem with the Israelites is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, they never learned the presence. What does he say here? Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Keep that in mind, very important. And I want to go to one more verse, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied. Note the order. When you have entered the promised land and you have eaten the fruit from the land and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He has given you. Obey the Lord your God. That's a summary of Deuteronomy 28. You see, the Israelites never understood why they had to hunger in the desert. They never understood why they need to fast. They never understood why they were in the wilderness and they perished. They were never satisfied with the presence of God. All they wanted was grumbling. They grumbled, they complained, they moaned, they, they were bitter, you know, they, 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 whatever it is. That's their character and their posture in the desert. They never understood. And one generation perished and the next generation went into the promised land. Now for context, I am not splitting generations here today. I'm not saying old versus young versus middle-aged. No, we together are one generation. Let us own this generation together, that we together, old, young, middle-aged, girl, boy, doesn't matter, we are one generation. And I tell you, it is the desire of my heart that in the wilderness, let's call it two years of COVID-19, in that wilderness, we will learn to be humbled by God where God is testing us to see what is in our heart, we will be humbled by Him, and there is a hunger that would rise within us. That is my desire, that this generation, all of us here, we will not perish, but we will all enter into the promised land together. But you ask me, what is the promised land, Pastor? What, what, what land do, do we have to claim? Singapore. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're not going in. Um, what is the promised land, you ask? 
I draw from this passage, Matthew chapter 4, and I think this is our promised land. There is another man that walked through the desert for 40 years. And we all love this man, and we all know this man. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, and he pulls his answer from Deuteronomy chapter 8, what we just read. It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What was the point of Jesus' 40 days fasting and praying in the wilderness? You see, where the Israelites failed in the wilderness, who does the Israelites represent? Us. Sometimes we don't feel like fasting, don't we? Sometimes we don't feel like praying, don't we? Sometimes we feel like, oh man, another prayer altar, I just did it. Oh no, another worship session, another service to attend, another cell group, I just did it. That's us. We're like the Israelites. We failed in our test before God. Our humble is not humble enough. And some of us, some of us what, is, what is humility, right? I want to go my way. I want to, go, I want to do what I want to do. And because the Israelites failed, they perished. But thousands of years later, God redeemed the wilderness experience. And God sent another man, his only begotten son, into the wilderness. And he says, where the people failed, my son will succeed. And he succeeds not for himself. He will pull through the 40 days fast and pray. And when he's tempted, and the Israelites were tempted by the devil to say, eat food, they grumbled and complained. When Jesus was tempted by the devil to make Bread via stone, Jesus said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. Jesus passed the test. He redeemed the fasting so that we don't have to fast in order to go into the promised land, in order to eat the food and then be satisfied. We don't have to go through that process. What is and who is our promised land? We now fast and pray so that we eat from the bread of life and we drink from the well that is everlasting, that is Jesus Christ, because He died for us, and because He passed the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness test, and He redeemed it. And that is why in the exact next chapter, in the Sermon of the Mount, when Jesus stood and preached, He dared say this famous, famous blessing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is being right before God, being integrous before God, doing the right things and not the wrong things. And where do we find our righteousness? In Jesus Christ alone. In Christ alone do I find my glory. In Christ alone do I find my righteousness. And we fast and pray so that we can feast on the Word of God, and we will be satisfied. You see, where the Israelites had to fast and pray so that they can conquer the land and eat the food when, and then be satisfied with the things of the food, we don't have this process. We fast and pray to draw near to Jesus Christ, and we feed on the Word of God and we will be satisfied. We are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and God promised you one thing, and that promise is yes, and that promise is amen through Jesus Christ, that we 
will be satisfied. And only if we feed on the Word of God, we feed on this Word of God. You see, in satisfaction, it's like what Rolling Stone says and said it best. I can't get no satisfaction. That song represents every single thing in our lives. That we can't get no satisfaction. You wanna, you wanna go for a job? You can find satisfaction for a little while. But all of us will have to retire. All of us will have to pass into the next life. If, what are you looking for? Are you looking for a spouse? Not yet. Are you looking for a spouse? Great. How many of us know that your spouse can never satisfy you? What are you expecting your spouse to be? Jesus? You're looking for Jesus in the wrong place. Your spouse can never be Jesus. Were you looking for satisfaction and fulfillment in your children? You want your children to do the things that you have never done as a parent? You can't. You can't find fulfillment in your children. You can't expect your children to be Jesus Christ. You're going to find fulfillment in money? You're going to do investment after investment? Everything came from dust and everything is but dust. And when you leave this world, what are you going to take with you? Your clothes, your money, nothing. When you want to find satisfaction in food, how many of us know, well, I'm reaching the age where when I, when I look at food now, I count my calories, <laughs> I count my cholesterol. What satisfaction am I looking at, right? When I drink a can of Coke, which I love, the word is love, love Coke, all right? I count my sugar level, my diabetes. Dude, when I, was, when I was 18 years old, this is the truth, true story, when I was studying, 18 years old, I can eat three packets of Indomie, all right, with the, the, the lomata on top, right, the, the, the eggs, three eggs, all right, two or three, depending on the flavor of the day, three, and then I'll wash down 1.5 liters of Coke, the big one. I'll sleep, and then I wake up, I'm healthy as a horse. 18 years old, proud, proud as ever. Praise God, I'm still here. Thank you, Jesus, for, for, for sustaining me through my crazy years. Thank you so much. But how many of us know, now that everybody will have to age, now we count red meat, oh, cholesterol, right? When we order a salad because we want to be healthy, we say dressing on the side, please, because don't douse it, otherwise it, it, it defeats the purpose. Too much dressing gives you too much calories. What's the point of eating vegetables? You might as well just, just eat the lobster. Might as well just eat the steak, you know? No difference. You want to be satisfied in food? You can be satisfied for two hours and then you'll be hungry again. There's only one thing that can satisfy. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life and you will never go hungry again. I am the well that overflows and you will never grow thirsty again. Because when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, He would fill up your well overflowingly that you don't need the things of this world to fill you and to satisfy you. I've got a story to tell and I want to close. You see, we all need the power of presence, P-O-P. We need the pop in our lives, the power of presence. But in the pop of our lives, when later on, if you're fasting and praying, you're going for lunch, you're going for dinner, you're going to take a sip, and you're going to take a sip of drink, I want you to remember a sip that all of us here, thank you so much, Grace, we need to be satisfied in His presence, S-I-P. We need to be satisfied in His presence. We don't need, we don't just need the power of His presence, but we also need the satisfaction 
of just being in His presence. And God, You alone is enough for me. That's it. That's it. You know, I hold in here our very own SIB Kale, freshly brewed by our barista ministry, a cup of coffee. This represents temptation to me. It's true. Number one, I have a confession to make. I'm an addict. I'm a, I'm a die-hard coffee addict. And because of the MCO, I've become a coffee snob, not just a coffee addict, right? So I would, I would know all the machines. I would know how coarse or how fine I want to grind. I even know and tell you if it's a, a, a light blend or a, a, a medium coarse or whatever it is, I know how, how much to grind it and how long to filter it. I know how to make a cold brew. I can make a hot drink. I can make a whatever it is. I can make a latte. I can make an espresso. Whatever you want. I'm a coffee addict. I'm a coffee snob, I admit. And coffee has a grip of my life for so many years. It's a grip. I love it. The word is love. All right? There's coffee. All right? And then there's Jesus. All right? That, that's my life. I'm sorry. Wait. Hold one second. One second. There's coffee and then Kim. All right? Let's put it that way. Coffee Kim. And then Jesus, how about that? Uh, it's just so I can come home tonight. <laughs> but you know, this has a grip on me. You know why? I don't know why, but I was born this way, that I have very severe withdrawals. Very severe. I take extreme withdrawals. So if I don't take coffee for 12 hours, it just takes me 12 hours to hit my withdrawal. I will get a migraine for three days. I'll be catatonic on my bed. I can't function. I've got a migraine for three days. No Panadol has helped. Uh, and I've tried it in the past before. I've gone through several coffee withdrawals before, so I know this. It will be painful. It will be excruciating. I'll be sensitive to sound, to light, to everything. The pain will be, oh man, it's horrible. And then, you know, next few days, there'll be tremors, there'll be tremblings, I'll be sweating, all right? Uh, uh, because, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm an addict, right? Uh, so I'm withdrawing from the caffeine. And then I'll be very irritable. I'll be so irritable and everything. Ask my wife, she knows, all right? Um, um, but this 40 days, in my last sermon, I said, we, go, we all need to prepare for the fast and pray. God says, are you preparing? I says, I am. He says, what are you preparing? I says, well, what should I prepare for this year, God? And God says, coffee. I says, no. <laughs> no, you can touch my life. I've given you, I've sacrificed a lot, God. I've sacrificed so much for you. I serve you. I serve you day and night. I don't count. I don't do anything. I love you. I love your people. I love everything. I sacrifice so much. No, I, just give me coffee. Just one thing I ask, one thing I desire in my life, Lord, to drink a cup of coffee every day, right? Give me one. He says, no. Because coffee has a grip on you. You can't function without coffee. You're an addict. You need coffee more than you need Jesus. You need coffee more than you need prayer. You need coffee and everything. And, you have, and I says, God, no, I can't. Look, 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 God, I'm coming to my 40 days. I can't be catatonic for four days, all right? My work needs me, my family needs me, I've got things to plan, I've got ministry to run, I've got so many things to do, I can't. People are relying on me and I can't be catatonic for four days. I just can't afford it. And God says, well, listen and obey. It's up to you. He always gives us the choice. I says, God, I love you more than anything. I'm going to do it. But the fear, the moment I said I'm going to do it, the fear of withdrawal gripped my heart. How many of you know that fear of withdrawal? It grips you, right? If you want to do something and you want to pull back, that fear grips you. Including, you want to step into church for the first time, that fear also grips you. Should I step in or should I be comfortable? What should I do? That fear, it gripped me and I go, I can't do this. God, you need to work in my life. I cannot afford to be catatonic for four days, to have a migraine for four days. I can't afford it. 
do me a miracle. So I gave up coffee that day, three weeks before the start of the fast and pray. Do you know why I do it three weeks before? Because I don't want to do it on the first day. On the first day, I already want to hit the ground running with my fast and pray. So I do it three weeks before. I says, God, you have to do a miracle. God gave me the miracle. See, in the presence of God, I will sustain you. I didn't have a migraine first time in my life. I functioned, I came to work. Everybody saw me at work. No one was the wiser. I came back home. Okay, my wife knows. I was a bit irritated and, and agitated. Yeah, she knows. But no migraine. It's a miracle. I guarantee you, in 38 of years of my life, I've never experienced no migraine from a caffeine withdrawal. 38 years. It's a miracle of God. And God is assuring every single one of you today, when you hunger for God's presence, there is always a price to pay, a sacrifice to be done because you're hungry for something more. If you hunger for a concert, you have to sacrifice your money, you sacrifice your time. If you hunger for promotion, you sacrifice your work life, you sacrifice your time with your family. There is always a sacrifice when you desire something. When you desire a girl, there's always a sacrifice. Your wallet is the first one to go, all right? <laughs> Everything else is secondary. It's always a sacrifice. But when you hunger for the things of God, the sacrifice is always, always worth it. He will never let you down. Just as He promised Moses, I will be with you, my presence will go with you. Just go. He promised that to Moses. And today we want to claim that promise, that we want to be satisfied with Jesus. That's all we want to be satisfied with the things of God. Nothing else grips me, God. Is it video games? No, Jesus. Is it drugs? No, Jesus. Is it depression? No, Jesus. You looking for breakthrough? It is Jesus. Are you looking for meaning and purpose in your life? You can only find it in the presence of God. That's the only place where you can find purpose. You want to look for personhood? Who are you? Where is your identity? You can only find it in the one that will never let you down. That is the presence of God. Are you looking for protection? Your health? Your wealth? That's okay. That's all right. God, can you protect my money because it's precious to me? That's okay. You're looking for protection? It would only be found in the presence of God. And today I pray that we hunger for this presence. We don't hunger for all the other peace. We just hunger for the presence. God, I want to know you face to face. God, I'm, I, I, I'm thirsty. I'm parched without you. I'm hungry without you. Do you know what I'm hungry for? I tell you what I'm hungry for. I'm hungry for my next generation. That's what I'm hungry for. It's not that I care less about the older. It's, it's not. But it's just that I know that the future of the church always rests in the next and I want to see the next generation, the 15-year-olds, the 12-year-olds, the 21-year-olds, just passionate for God, to live for a cause above yourself, a purpose that is beyond you. I'm hungry to see the next gen, just hungry before God. And if you are a next generation in this place, I want to pray for an anointing over your life, that you will not go through life being influenced by social media, be influenced by YouTube, by influenced by the news, and whatever news that you listen to would always speak life into you. What are you feeding yourself? 
we need to feed ourselves with spiritual food and hunger for that presence. And it is my cry. And I'm hungry to see waves and waves of generations just loving God. You know what else I hunger for? I hunger to see families come to know Jesus. That's what I'm hungry for. You know, one of my desires in my heart, and with this I want to close, is I desire my kids to grow old, a little older. Now I want my kids to stay young forever because it's cute. It's just, they're just cute, full stop. But when they grow older, they would understand a bit more about worshiping, about praying, about having an altar. That's my heart desire. That I can anchor Tuesday night prayer altar and I don't have to say goodnight to them and, and say goodnight to my wife because they're, they're so young, they're two years old, they need to sleep, they can't join me yet. But I can't wait when they're 15, they're 12, I want to bring them with me. I want to hunger for God with them. Moses hungered with Joshua. Read it. Joshua was always with him. Moses hungered with Joshua. And it is my prayer for the next gen to rise. But for the next gen to rise, the now gen needs to rise. The parents need to hunger. The grandparents need to hunger. And when our kids see you hunger, they see a role model that they can admire. They don't need to admire the Billie Eilish. They don't need to admire the TikTok influencers. They don't need to admire anything, anyone else in this world. When they look at you, I see a room full of influencers here today. I see adults influencing the next gen. I see the next gen rising up in prayer, praying for healing, praying for the supernatural, hungering for God. Are you hungry, church? Are you hungry? So I close with this. Are you hungry for His presence? Are you hungry because it starts with us? Don't look to the next person. Don't look to the next church. God is doing something in other churches. Don't worry about them. We're here. Are you hungry for His presence today? Do you want to experience His presence today? And we've got 15 more minutes. I want to open the altar for everyone to come up, to bow, to worship, to pray, to sing and to just hunger for His presence as the worship team leads us in prophetic worship. I want us all to come forward. Every generation, this is a call, not just for the young, but the call for the old. This is for everybody to hunger after God, to say, God, I need you more in my life. I need you, and I only can find my satisfaction in the presence of God, in the presence of God. So are you hungry, church? Do you want more? Do you want more? Just like Moses, I, I don't have enough. I need your favor, God. I need you to teach me, God. I want more. I want more. I'm hungry for your presence, God. I'm hungry for you to show me your face. I'm hungry for you to show me your glory. I'm hungry for you to forgive me. I'm hungry for a breakthrough in my family. I'm hungry for a forgiveness. I'm hungry for more prayer, more worship. I'm hungry to go deeper. I'm hungry to, be, to have a taste because I want to see that the Lord is good in my life. I am hungry for purpose. Jesus. Father God, we are your people and you are our God. We stand before you today in awe of your presence, in awe of your beauty, in awe of your marvelousness, in all of your works, in all of your creativity, in all of your splendor, in all of your power, in all of your almighty. We stand in all of you, Father God. So we thank you, Jesus, that you've birthed a hunger for you in our spirits today. Thank you, Jesus. So Father God, I pray I pray with the love of the Father, the grace of the Son, 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Separate us now with your favor and your presence. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.